0: Welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today we are continuing our Throne of Glass journey by talking about book five, five, right? Yeah. Five, Empire of Storms by Sarah J. Mass, with another special guest with us here today. If you want to introduce yourself.
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Cat of C Cat Read um, on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I'm really excited to be here and, and talk about Throne of Glass, which I am still reading. This is the last one that I've read <laughs> in the series most recently. So that
0: is wild to me because you do post a lot of, of content related to this world, and uh-huh. yet. You have not got past this point, I, which is also we'll talk about the end of this book too, but that the strength
2: that you have. I mean, I sort of get it because it's like the, the tower of dawn hump. Like I remember finishing this book and then being like, I don't like, I wanted to go right to kingdom of ash because I knew that tower of dawn was like a kale off on his own adventure. And I'm like, but so much shit just happened here. Like I cannot go another 800, 800 or 900 pages without hearing a peep about it. Like, that felt daunting in itself but I was like oh I don't even want to read it so I get it
1: I it's and it's not Tower of Dawn like I'm a contrarian by nature so like I love KL. um I refuse to do the tandem read because I think it's yeah. absurd um <laughs> I'm just like a strongly yes. opinionated person yeah uh, <laughs> we love that I don't want it to be over yeah so I actually went months before I read Empire of Storms. I went months in between the books as well. And I know that as soon as I finish Tower of Dawn, I'm going to have to go straight into Kingdom of Ash. And everyone says like, A, it obliterates you emotionally. And B, like, that's the end. And I'm not yeah. crying, but like Ailen's pre great. I like her a lot and I don't want to lose her. So
0: yeah, no, we get it. We are uh, <laughs>
2: big Aelyn stans. We were just talking today about how fucked we're going to be for Kingdom of Ash because I was just remembering how I cried like eight or nine times while reading that book. It felt like once every chapter or something I was breaking down. So yeah, yeah, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> I cried a lot in this book. So like,
0: you know, we're doing well. We're all going to be on the same page. <laughs> um, I will say, I mean, I love Kingdom of Ash, but I feel like this is like, my favorite book of the series, just because so many wonderful things happen in it, and like the end is an Alzheimer. So I'm really excited to talk about it, and we're so excited to have you here with us. So thanks so much, Cat. Thanks for having me. Before we dive in to this book itself, let's talk about other things that we're obsessing over these days. Tejan, I'm gonna let you go first because you got a lot written down here, and for a while you didn't I have. Finally, much to have something to first. talk
2: about. Um. So. After Okay, so one of the things is Bridgerton Season 2, um, as, you know, most of the world, I think, at this point. Uh, yeah, I was definitely in, like, a, a historical romance frame of mind after finishing that. And I think I, I texted Corinne, and I was like, because she's, like, our go-to historical romance person now. So I was like, all right, Corinne, I'm sitting on my couch. I just need one one historical romance for you to recommend me right now. Um, that I haven't read yet. And she told me to read uh, A Week to be Wicked by Tessa Dare. And I'm like obsessed with it now. That's maybe <laughs> one of my favorite of all time historical romances. Um, it's got like the classic premise of like, you know, naive, sciencey, kind of nerdy girl runs off with a dashing rake to, you know, for X reason and uh, they fall in love on the way. And it's, it's fucking great. And it's one of the, honestly, one of the funniest books that I've ever read. I was just sending her like screen caps of my reading journey. It was just some of the funniest. I haven't laughed at hard reading in like a very long time. So definitely that one. I also read, uh, the dragon's bride by Katie Robert. <laughs> um, big Katie Robert fan. I was really excited for this one because I, you know, above all things I'm a monster fucker. So, um, I love a monster romance and, uh, I also just love like looking at the cover of this book. It is a like an old school romance, clinch cover for Monster Romance, and I just like that delights me on every single possible level. And it was really, I mean, it was really fun. It was really cool, and it sets up um, like a further world really well for like the the next romances in that series. So that was really fun. I also read uh, American Queen by Sierra Simone, which is um, it's a I guess a political erotic book, but it's basically like uh, this girl is the granddaughter of a former vice president, and uh, she meets this guy who will eventually become president uh, when she's younger, and they kind of hook up, and then he ends up becoming the president, and then she also ends up hooking up with his vice president at a separate time, not knowing that they were BFFs. And so... um, that turns into a poly situation, and it was just you know, I mean, a serious response would be read like priest or saint or center of any or any of those books. It is in that vein, it's maybe one of the kinkiest books that I've ever read, and that is saying a lot because I read a lot of shit. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> if that's like your thing, uh, poly situations with a lot of um. Uh, like submission and dominance kink stuff that is for you I enjoyed it I don't know if I'll continue the series because I it seems like some fucked up shit happens that I don't really want to like destroy my heart so I'm just gonna leave it where it is I think but yeah.
0: yeah I'm happy to hear you liked it because I have seen a lot of people recommend it and as Tasia knows, Priest was like really hard for me to get into, not, uh, not because I thought it was like poorly written or anything like that, or that I even really have an issue with like Priest romances generally. I mean, Hello bag season two, uh, but it just got like way too much into like the dogma of Catholicism. And as someone who grew up in the Catholic church, I was like, I can't have my porn be in this, this spot. Um, so I was happy to see that she had another series that was like really well recommended. But yeah, but I heard the later books are like a gut punch
2: yeah I think something really really gnarly happens and I don't think I want that like it, I don't know it seems I'm just gonna leave it I think I'm gonna leave it I'm gonna live happy in oblivion and in my blissful ignorance and
0: fair. um I'll just go in briefly because I don't really have much of an obsession except for something that you said which is Richard in season two like as I predicted would consume my life Um, As Tasia knows, like pretty early on, like when I watched season one, I was like, oh, no, Anthony Bridgerton, you're going to destroy me. Like Jonathan Bailey, I'm obsessed with you. The obsession has been strong ever since season one premiered. And so I just knew it was not going to be like a pleasant situation for me. It was going to be like all I could think about. And uh, that's true. Um, I did like Tasia then just start reading some more historical romance and continued with my journey through Lisa Kleypas back list uh with her wallflower series um the most famous of which it was actually the first lisa clepas i read devil in winter sebastian saint vincent is an infamous romance hero he's a baddie who does a really really bad thing in an earlier book in the series and then gets his own book and it is just like a really beautiful romance but i wanted to go back to the beginning and see like the bad thing he did in action. And so I read them all and it was just a, a very nice series. I liked it a lot and it helped fill the void for me a little bit. Um, and stop watching Anthony TikTok and <laughs> YouTube edits. So starting to feel a little better moving on a little bit. My withdrawal is, is, uh, easing a bit here, but, uh, yeah, it was really a fun time for me. Cat, <laughs> What about you? What are you into these days?
1: Well, I do want to just comment on The Dragon's Bride because I love Katie Robert um, so much. Uh, And that was such a good slump buster for me. Um, It's like you can read it in a day the whole time you're like, what do you do with two of them? And you find out, you know, so <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not a spice for spices sake reader. I also don't really like romance unless it's fantasy romance. Like it just, I, I can't explain my brain. It's just the way it works.
0: I like what we like.
1: <laughs> Katie gets me every time she's got me. So, um, that's, that's definitely a good one. And then you said that, um, one of the books was like this the kinkiest book you've ever read and I yeah. wouldn't say I'm obsessing over this but there is um <laughs> there is uh there's a TikTok author who just came out with a book um that has a sex-based magic system uh and it's called the first book's called Initiates and then like colon Sex Wizards number one like the book oh is God. called Sex Wizards <laughs> I love this for us. <laughs> <laughs> I, this this is your YA podcast, but here I go. So this is what we do
0: every week. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so um it's like the different types of sex you have, like create different spells. And they're not like casting on the battlefield. It's like, it's more like spell prep and then they like store the spells and then they like get released later. Um and it is like, I learned, so, I learned so much. Uh, <laughs> there's like, and it goes from like BDSM to like, there's a pony play, like <laughs> episode, like chapter. And it was just really wild. And I don't, I don't know if I'll continue the series. Cause like I said, I'm not like a spice for spices sake. And mm. I, the whole time was like, I want to know more about like how the magic system works and like show me scenes where they're like in class studying magic theory. Like that's what I was like, tell me more about this magic system. But um, if you're into that kind of thing uh, it's on Kindle unlimited and it was fun. So, <laughs> um, but the things that I'm Taking notes. With, yeah, write it, write it down. Uh, the things <laughs> that I'm actually obsessed with right now, I'm reading um, baby's first reverse harem, uh, the power of five by Alex Liddell. Um, and that's like, one fae lady and four fae warriors hell yeah girl get it um each book's only like 200 pages uh I have read one like every day for a week um I don't remember my name but I do remember all the things they've done to her so it's great um, <laughs> <laughs> book talk is absolutely like obliterated any shred of morality that, like I ever had um great At was my first book talk book and silver flames was like too much for me I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I can keep reading these. And now I'm like, anyway, sex wizards. uh (laughs) I I love it.
0: I love it. Love this journey for you and us.
1: I love it too. Um, And then I've been reading Fortuna Sworn, Mm.
0: which
1: people don't really talk about, but I think there's like four, four out of the six books are out already. Um, And I really like it because the female main character is like super morally gray and like, Mm. you know, good for her. Um, So I'm really enjoying that. that. Yeah, And then I, I mean, I watch Bridgerton, but I just mostly like read and vibe right now. So I wanted to share a song
0: that I've <laughs> the yeah. I put
1: on a bunch of my playlists. Um, it is titled My Ass is a Dump Truck. And then in parentheses, My Thighs are also Dump Trucks. It is, by... <laughs> <laughs> it is my narcissist cookbook. Um, I did play this song for Ollie the other day because I was like, this is such a great song. And they hated it, um, which lets me know it's a great choice. So... That's that's a song I've been blasting
0: lately. Um, I'm going to need to listen to it as soon as we're done here today. Yeah. Um, I also love some diversity of things in the obsession section because we don't do that often enough. Um, And I like that. It should be songs. It should be whatever speaks to you in this moment. So thank
1: you. I'm happy to introduce that diversity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think this is like really... that we're all here and we're all kind of in the same wavelength with things and it makes a ton of sense that you're here today for this book Kat because um, some fun things happen that are very fun for all of us as a collective in this book uh, despite the fact that yes this is still technically considered YA which allows us to um, talk about it here on this podcast but then also talk about Some of the sexy things that happen in this book that we love. um, And just imagine, based on some of the other things we read, like what it actually was like, because Mm -hmm. it's not as explicit as it could be. Um, But yeah, let's uh, talk about this book. Um, We've apparently dispensed with doing summaries (laughs) formally on this podcast because we don't want to do them anymore. So sorry. Um, So we'll just kind (laughs) of like (laughs) briefly talk about what happens in this book. How does it even start again? Like what I thinking. Oh, actually, I do know how it starts again. Cause I always read all my highlights on this book. And it starts with like Rowan and Aylin making out in the forest of Terracen. And he's like, I'm not gonna take you the first time against a tree. And I'm like, could I hate that? Do it <laughs> just Coward. keep taking me until you think it's good enough. Why <laughs> yeah. why do we have to
1: wait? I hate that trip so much.
0: What is the difference between this tree and the beach?
2: Honestly, and, and also like they're all existing in a Sarah J Mass book. Like you know what happens when you wait. One of you is gonna die. Yeah. And that is just what happens. So yeah. waiting, no, that's for no. that's for suckers. We don't do
1: that. Fucking saves lives in Sarah J Mass. So
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess all that for plot reasons, like she's there together, allies and Terrison, and they're like, nah, like you've improved yourself. Um and that's very infuriating. So she's like, fine, I'm going to set out into the world and get my allies in place. And, uh, you know, they go to they kind of all go different places. Rowan goes to Adderland uh, to save Dorian, who's going to be, the whole city is being uh, sacked by the witches and the wyvern. Not a great situation, but he saves Dorian while alan and crew go to Skulls Bay. Um, fantastic payoff from The first story in Assassin's Blade with Rolf eventually gets him on board and gets his people on board with like the most badass Lysandra moment
2: ever, uh, being the sea dragon. Super great. She's such the MVP of this whole book. Like I'm
0: just going out there now.
2: She is the MVP of this book.
0: I love her. Um, it's really great to see her empowered in this way in this book. Let's see. Um, Manon's historian, too, in uh, Adderlon, like, lets him go for reasons. And uh, that doesn't go over well with her grandmother, who's awful. And she said, okay, fine. Um, We're going to kill your second, which in another, like, very horrifying scene by Sarah J. Mass when you think Astrid's going to die. She doesn't do it. And she flees along with the 13, but she's very badly
2: injured. She tells she tells her boxers to take her somewhere safe and he brings her to Ailen and crew on board their ships. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so- uh she gets held prisoner, sort of. Held prisoner. Mort. There are handcuffs
0: <laughs> and we will talk about them. Um oh yes, and then uh and Lorkin, which like honestly, like if I don't break down about them by, you know, 20 minutes into this podcast, like send a wellness check to my home, um, because I love them in this book. Uh, but they are traveling together for reasons. And, uh, through that, we get to see how awesome the lead is. And Lorcan really sees that. And, um, it starts to have some, some feelings for each other. And then eventually they meet up with Aylan and crew and all of our friends are together. And it's very exciting. I love that. I'm um, sorry, Kale. About five seconds. You're not <laughs> and in this then... book, but <laughs> yeah, for about five seconds, and then all hell breaks loose. What else? The hell breaking loose. Yeah, the hell breaks loose. Battles. Maeve. Maeve. Uh, Maeve comes. It's a disaster. Ooh. Um, Aelin and Manon basically travel through this mirror thing, and basically, um, I think Teja, you put this in your notes, but it's a hundred percent true. Like Elena is the Dumbledore of this series, uh, leading alan as a lamb slaughter. Um ultimately that's going to be the sacrifice to banish Erewhon. And, um, Aelin kind of had figured this out on her own already, but it's still very devastating. She comes back, Maeve's there because Lorcan had, <sighs> he doesn't want to say Believe. lead. Okay. <laughs> so he summons Maeve to protect her. Um, and, uh, Maeve kidnaps Aelyn, but also revealing in the process that uh, Aylan and Rowan are actually mates, and she manipulated the whole situation to think that they weren't. And that, uh, Lyria was his mate. And it's horrible, and they take Aylan away. And then Rowan comes out, and it's like, uh, where's Aylan? Where's Aylan? Where's my wife? Just a big reveal at the end. And uh, it's pretty devastating. And that's why it's shocking the cat has not moved <laughs> move forward in this series. No, I get it.
1: It's I totally just some, I just know that I'll... I- First, I will suffer more.
0: You will. Yep. <laughs> so. Surely you will. 100%. Actually, that's 100%. a very good self preservation instinct that I lack. So <laughs> it's very impressive here. Um, who do we want to talk about first today, friends? Stu, lead and Lorkin. Okay. I actually remember, Tasia, I don't know if you remember this, but like I had been like keeping silent for a really long time because Alid and Lorkin, they're my favorite chip of the series. And I remember when you were reading this and like the fact that you didn't like text me, I knew that you were pretty far in the book, but you had not sent me anything about Aline and Lorcan. I was like, I don't know if we can be friends anymore (laughs) because I love them so much and you're not having a reaction to them. (laughs) Yeah. That's just someone else has to talk because I, again, I'm not gonna be coherent about them.
2: (laughs) Well, I didn't know it was that close. Um, I guess I saved it, but I remember my reaction was I read the words... I wanted to go to parents with you. And I like walked around in a daze for like hours, just going, I wanted to go to parents with you. I wanted to go to parents with you, like staring at walls. I was fucked up. I was real fucked up from it. So I guess that saved our friendship. Yeah, it was good. That
0: was- <laughs> I'm glad you had- were emotionally devastated.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, I love them. I love that, <laughs> that- the lead is so fucking iconic that she is claimed by Manon, Lorkin, and Aylin. Like, yeah. Who, who is who is better than that?
0: I, I said this to Tasia off air and kept maybe, I don't know, maybe this is mean or maybe you'll disagree, but you we can weigh in on this because um, we covered all of Akhtar in this podcast as well. And we are big, like Aylin is our favorite SJM mm-hmm. heroine, like, mm-hmm. obsessed with her. And like, I, Farah is fine. To me, so but I said, uh, Feyre is budget a lead. And the reason I said that is because she's kind of like yes, Feyre does have like superpowers for reason plot reasons in the book, but like I feel like she's kind of similar in that like her strength is not like power and magic, um, in the way that like it's Resand in that book. He's the the super powerful one, and Aelin is the super powerful one in this series, but a lead who has no magic is like such a Badass. And like I there's just something about her. And I that I feel like there's similar traits between her and Farah. Like Faira is also a little bit more soft-spoken and just kind of kind. And like people find her very compelling in the same way they do about Ali, but Ali just something about it is just so much more badass to me. Like she has better moments for me. Um, and she never has any power to do it all. So I just, maybe that wasn't kind of me to call Farrah budget, a lead. But like, I had that realization today and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna stand by it and put it on the podcast.
2: And my reaction to that was that like, that's a compliment to Farah. Any 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 uh, comparison to a lead is a compliment, right? Because a lead's fucking, a leads yeah. the shit. So, I mean, I think that's a compliment, budget or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think like, the thing that they have in common is, like, the tenacity, right? Like, S.J.M. was like, this bitch can't walk, and this bitch can't read, but they're going to figure it out.
0: Um... <laughs> Elite can't read either. So maybe that's where the yeah. comparison came from in my oh, mind. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. God <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a very weird thing that Sarah keeps, like, having her people do, like, just not be literate. Okay. Um, not weird, but it's just, like, it's weird that it, like, maybe Repeat. to her as like
2: a writer that is writing for readers that is like this yeah that's
0: you me yeah that's do true to your characters make them illiterate um but yeah like that's another we didn't even talk about um you know elite has this horribly um like mangled leg as a result of like her uncle keeping her chained up for so long and not letting her be properly healed when she broke her leg and um so she does walk with the limb so she has that kind of quote unquote going against her. I think honestly, the biggest weakness of it in this book is the fact that it's a tell of who she is while she's on the run
2: um, yeah. versus
0: any real um, impediment like she lots to put on herself, but um, yeah. And she can't read. It's very great that, that she does so much with no power in this world where magic is might at this, this juncture of the story. Um, and she yeah. just gets through on her wits and her against nasty is using a cat that's a great phrase to use. And yeah, she's just really badass.
2: And the fact that she like gets this powerful, the most powerful Demi Fay male in the entire world, just like on his hands and knees. We're cutting up his shirts to use as fucking pads for her period. It is yeah. the most iconic shit I've ever read. I'm obsessed with him. I'm obsessed with them. That pairing is just. Yeah. You know
1: what I love about Lorcan and this SJM really fumbled the bag when she wrote ACOTAR and decided to do like exclusive, like first person perspective. And like, then she fixed it, obviously. Right. She was like, I have made a mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lorcan <laughs> hates alan and alan hates Lorcan. And when you read Glass there ain't nobody, but alan right. She is the main bitch, but mm-hmm. I love the diversity in characters not just in their experience or what they look like or their background but like morally and like politically we're seeing the perspective of all these different characters and Lorcan thinks that alan's a bitch and he's not wrong like he has like a perfectly valid opinion of her based on the way that he's interacted with her um yeah. and also Um, I am obsessed with those theories that like maybe he and Rowan like had a thing and that's why he hates Aelin have you heard about this I have not
0: but um I mean tell
2: me more (laughs) well I just
1: like I've seen like quote compilations of the way that Lorcan talks about Rowan being taken away from him and how they had been closer like closer than brothers and like there are just like a couple of lines that like if you wanted to read it that way you could now i don't think sjm did it on purpose because she can't even get morgan out of the closet but <laughs> um i really like that reading that like they will have a little something or something and that's part of the reason why lurkin hates aelin so much
0: i really like that too i, love that. I was also just thinking about like you know you said oh like he thinks aelin's a bitch and like he's not wrong and it's like that's why we love aelin. Mm-hmm. But they're very similar, Lorcan and Aelin, I think, in a lot of ways. And then that makes sense that Rowan's attracted to both of them. Then. I love it. So I really like how this theory comes full circle. But yeah, no, I think it, Lorkin is like our favorite type of character across all series that we read where you think he's one thing and then there's actually something more. And you combine that with soft for one person. And it's just mm-hmm. like my kryptonite. I love it yeah. so much. and again, for it to be this awesome girl who says things like, I have no lands, no money, no army to offer Aileen Galathinius, but I will find her and help her in whatever way I can, if only just to keep one girl, just one from ever enduring what I did. And like the way that we see him grow to respect her and just be impressed with the abilities that she does have, it's just, it's, it's so good. Who could not love her? And she kills those Ilkin and he's
2: like, that was well done. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like so proud.
0: Yeah. And he goes from like, you know, holding back that he knows Selena and Aylan are the same. And he's like, you know, being very cagey as she is too. Like she doesn't give her real name, etc. But like, I just was really struck by the moment when they finally see like Aylan Rowan and, he, and she's like, what do we do now? And he's like, we go say hello. Like the the J- Lorcan of the beginning of this book, like if he was in sight of Aylan, like he would have lost the shit and just like completely run for his mission of getting the word keys back. But he is just like so softened in that moment in such a good way. Um, it's not just like he's totally whipped on her, but like she starts to bring out you know, things in him where she says to him, like, I don't even think you know what happiness is. And he's like, I don't mind being with you. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's, those are good human lessons for him to learn. And it manifests in him realizing that like, Oh, Alan's might, might be got a good thing going here. And Maeve mm, don't really care for her.
1: I think he's good. Yeah. He's a good bad boy. Yeah. Just like, fuck Maeve. Um, she's the worst. You uh, really do suck. Have you guys have you read Crescent City, both of them? Yes. Have you heard the theory that the Viper Queen is Maeve? No, no, because she like she gets Therion like on her like he drinks her blood and becomes like addicted to her or whatever, and like that kind of thrall that she has over her followers, people have like likened it to to the way that Maeve controls the cadre.
0: I don't want that to be the same though because I like the Viper Queen. <laughs> mm. So like, and I don't like Maeve, like fuck Maeve. So fuck while we're talking about Alina and Lorcan, I mean, we'll talk more about them in, in Swoon because I think that, again, I'm obsessed with them. So I have a lot of Swoon moments for them, but I have a lot of feelings on this reread about Cadre. Is that how we're saying it? Just like their moments of reckoning of like, shit like things have been really bad with Maeve like we get this I my notes I'm like this are this is from Lorkin like Lorkin says this or thinks this power called to power among the Fae perhaps alien Galathinius was unlucky the cadre had been drawn to Maeve's power long before she was born had she chained themselves to her instead perhaps they were the unlucky ones for not holding out for something better Lorkin thinks that like that just like really hurts me like They've all just been so tortured by her in various ways for for so long. There's this moment when Fenris says something like, this is how it should be, like how Aelin is with her court. It's just like, I have a lot of soft feelings for them that like when you're first reading the book, the first time through for like plot, you kind of don't really sit with those moments as much. And I sat with them this time. Sure did.
2: The Fenris stuff in particular was just really devastating the way he kind of just like follows Aelin around in awe the entire time just like hero worships her and you find out like how much he fought to be the one to be the one in Rowan's place to train her yeah and then we get that great moment though where Rowan makes a joke about how if it, if it had been Fenris then like the two of them would have just gotten hammered and messed around and did absolutely nothing yeah which I mean I want that version of the story I just want to yeah. read that, that version but yeah. The Fenris stuff is just so sad. And it's really
0: compelling. Cause you know, that he's only, he's only bloodsorn to Maeve because like his brother did it and he did it to save him. And so like, that's devastating on its own. And then the idea of like also having someone else to serve that is like actually worthy of, of being a member of their court. It's just it's a, lot, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff there. I wish we got Gabriel and Fenris POVs, um, they're super interesting and like they have a lot of history to them obviously like Lorcan and rowan do too and we get a lot of that but um give me the cadre prequel book i'll read it yeah oh yeah Yeah. well
1: and they're like members of the cadre that like we just don't really interact with or haven't yet
2: vaughn we hardly knew you yeah no yeah yeah. the fuck is vaughn yeah that's like
1: that's like the worst one right they're like that one sucks we don't need to talk about
2: him is he the one that's like not like is he like the one not hot member of the cadre i thought
1: thought he was the one that like was like the sadist and the torturer he's like a no that was karen right oh right see there's so many of them that we just
2: yeah here's the new one that karen was the rowan replacement
0: yes when rowan left they say that in the beginning, like Vaughn went like elsewhere. I think maybe to try to find Lorcan. I don't know. Yeah. Well,
2: then yeah, like Fenris and Gabriel went one way, and Vaughn went the other, never to be seen again. I don't know. I don't remember. And then there's like Fenris's
1: Vaughn. brother, who's just like all fucked out I don't know. all
0: the time. Yeah. <laughs> all <fucked Yeah>. <laughs> He's like slave sex slave. Yeah. It's oh, baby. It's really no. it's really sad. And like he ch- his. Fenris' brother chose that because Fenris was, like, excelling on the battlefield, and so he felt, like, not threatened, but, like, he wasn't doing as much wasn't in comparison. Useful for anything. Yeah, so he, he offered himself up to this, also a sadist, so <laughs> it's very upsetting.
2: I don't know if we've mentioned it before on our other Throne of Glass episodes, but, like, Sarah's whole deal with making female villains also rapists is, like, why? why do you keep doing that? Yeah, it's not... It's not clever, like Amarantha, Iancy, Maeve. Like it's every time.
0: I don't need that um, in my storytelling, but so she keeps doing. So <laughs> here we are. She doesn't, doesn't seem to want to stop. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me. It's it's sad. It's sad to say, like it doesn't bother me as much in this series as it does in Actar because okay, Connell, like who are you? <laughs> like, we don't spend time yeah. with in the same way, which sounds really, really bad, but like, it, it feels much more, um, like impactful as a reader when it's like Lucian yeah. and Achar and you're like, oh, my baby, my um, baby. <laughs> 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 oh, another Lucian stan. We love to see it. Oh, yeah. you know that I wrote
1: like a self-insert, I'm writing a self-insert Lucian fan fiction. <laughs> So that I can save him. You know that, right?
0: Emily's <laughs> gonna need the link. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's unhinged. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, incredible. Can we talk about um, can we talk about Adian? Because I feel like being pissy.
1: Yeah. So I have I have to I have to confess something right now. Okay. And I need, I need everyone to take a deep breath and just like let out the judgment. Just like let it leave your body for a second. (laughs) So I historically, I have the worst shipping meter of all time. I always ship people that like straight up say they're like, I like you. I want you. We have rapport. Let's bone. And that's never the person that the female main character ends up with, right? It's always, like, the one who was mean to her instead. And I'm like, oh, that, that's going to be a great relationship. <laughs> anyway, so I was kind of rooting for Adian and Aelin for, like, a little bit. Even though they're cousins. I know it. I know, but he said he would.
2: And I just felt like, I don't know, they seem to like each other. So... Listen, I read all of all of Game of Thrones. It, it's
1: fine. <laughs> it's quite as bad, but it might be close. Um well, that is not a kink of mine. I just he loved her so much like from the get-go and respected her and would have been anything for her. Um I've heard he turns into a dick later, so I can't wait for that. But um I've liked Adian so far and I know that he's not a fan favorite, so
2: I liked him until this one and I thought it was later on like further later that he started getting shitty but I realized that I think because I'm looking for it more now or like I know like that like the seeds are being planted here Mm -hmm. um that he's coming across much shittier on this read uh just knowing what happens later and stuff but um like my dude if you speak to a lead like that again I will stomp on your dick like that was so uncalled for yeah
0: I I will say, and first of all, can't no judgment here. First of all, all the <laughs> all the men in this world are related to Aylin. <laughs> <So> like
2: <laughs> We did we did talk about that, like Sarah. Why is everybody that Aylin makes out with or could possibly make out with related to her, including her husband? Like, yes, Sarah is
0: also Sarah was reading of, too much. Yeah, Sarah is also kind of incapable of like writing a true male female friendship that's just like platonic. Mm-hmm. case of point crescent city too i have theory i have thoughts on Pretty yes <laughs> i wanted that just to be a friendship like let it be a friend so she definitely yeah. we talked about this i think in the last one of the last two episodes about how like there's definitely like thoughts like subtext there between 80 and on 80 side at least mm-hmm. um here's my thing and i don't know cat if you've ever watched buffy the vampire slayer tasia and i have been watching it from the beginning tasia is a big buffy fan i've never seen it we started Um, over well over a year ago and we watched a couple episodes a week and we're almost done with season six right now, which is the second to last season. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this point where I like absolutely hate the character of Xander. Like I hate him so much and um, because he's doing terrible, terrible things in, in Buffy and Aiden is the Xander of TOG to me. And I say this because he just like starts to get so high and mighty and judgy of everyone else around him. Um, he says this, uh, he thinks this about Dorian wanting to maybe be interested in Manon. Like he, he, at first he's like, yeah, like, I guess it's good that Dorian wants to move on, but the witch, that was what he wanted to tangle with. And I'm like, take a step off the moral high ground there, sir, because you don't know our girl Manon number one and number two, how dare you? Like, even if she was what she thought that she was a cold, heartless, soulless being. So what if that's what Dorian wants to do? Um, Xander does a lot of similar shamey things of, of Buffy on that show and in her romantic interests. And so that's what I'm like, I like literally can't stand these men right now. I, we literally just watched a terrible episode of Buffy last week. It was yeah. awful. I'm oh, like, man. Oh There's- my
1: God, it's Adian. <laughs> you know who Adien is, is 80 is the high school friend at the bachelorette party like everyone else of the friends you, like made in college. And then there's this like the weird high school friend that like constantly is like, well, I mean, I've known her longer or like, yeah. do you remember that thing you guys probably went You're there, also literally that.
2: describing Xander, which is hilarious because they all go to college <laughs> and he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is that guy that's just like, well, I'm like your high school friend. Talked about a lot on this show too,
0: about how Sarah J mess is a huge Buffy fan. So it's like not mm-hmm. coincidental. I don't think. Mm.
2: I especially think that those comparisons are really appropriate because in Buffy, the biggest problem with Xander is that he does these shitty kind of paternalistic things and he, like, has a very proprietary feeling over, like, Buffy and the other women in his life. And um, the show itself, like, the text, the narrative never calls him out for this. He He is shown to be in the right. You're supposed to agree with him when he says the shitty things and when he slut shames and when he, you know... I don't know, he, he just, when he gets proprietary over the women in his life, um, and the text never shows him as being in the wrong, like, you're supposed to agree with him, and that's what I feel like is going on with Adian, too, like, you're supposed to still be, you're supposed to see, like, kind of these shitty things he's starting to do, and be on his side, or be, like, sympathetic, and at first I was sympathetic, I mean, there are certain cases where I am sympathetic with him, like, I understand why he's lashing out in this way, but then, yeah. I think that it's kind of getting into territory where I don't I'm losing my sympathy for him and it's coming on fast. I think like a couple
0: examples are more egregious like the one I said about like um about Manan and some of them are like you said Tasia kind of more understandable like his feel his feelings towards Dorian and being like I'm not gonna forgive him from stabbing Aylan And Lysandra's like, try to have some compassion. Like he was, it was against his will. And he's just like, Well, I knew Dorian as this arrogant, reckless, like blah, blah, blah. And Lysandra's like, that's how I knew your queen. Like, you need to move on from things. But then he's like, Well, all I can see is my my family being massacred. And that's kind of a little bit misplaced um blame on, on Dorian, who didn't choose those actions that his father did um, in in committing some of those atrocities. But um, at least that it's like, okay, it's misguided, but I get it. Although it kind of does go against like those nice moments in Queen of Shadows where Dorian's possessed and he's like trying to get through to him and is like, Sorsha, remember Sorsha. So it's like, well, why all of a sudden are you just being a dick here? (laughs) Like you were trying to help Dorian one book ago. And now you're like, he is my enemy. (laughs) What is happening with Adian in this book? And I do get we talked a lot about like the idea of Aelin not queuing people in on her plans as being a problem kind of becomes a problem here at the end of the book. That's the whole reason why Lorcan even summons Maeve because he sees the armada that Aelin brought in and thinks it's enemy. Like it's, it's, it's an and enemy.
2: Aelin even notes she's like, oh, you know, I, she was like, it was more important to me to like get the satisfaction of like the gotcha moment. Than yep. it was to, like, alleviate the worries of my yeah. companions, which probably should have come first. Right. She wanted that surprise. Right. Boy, she got surprised, yeah. huh? And you know what? Lorcan is is acting in service of protecting the lead, and I can't blame him for that, so... Right, right. I but- mean, it sucks what he did, but it is what it is. Yeah, but the flip side of
0: that though is like yes that's like frustrating and does have ramifications but i still i still have a really hard time when adrian's like where are our allies you promised us allies it's like
2: dude like give the girl a minute i think Adian is used to being like the biggest bull in the pasture yeah and now he's surrounded by a ton of uh these outrageously powerful fae warriors and um including his father. And he's not the the big man anymore. Yeah.
0: That's a really good point.
2: You know, I don't, and I don't think that this is necessarily like in the text even, but I just think that, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a little bit of it, especially because we saw how mad he was when uh, Rowan got the, the blood oath and he didn't.
0: Yeah. I think Sarah overall, like with each book gets better at it- her arcs and her storytelling generally. Um, and this is still like early in her writing career. So I think that like intentionally or not, I think you're right. She is hinting at like 80 and having like some sort of breakdown for all the reasons you just said. And that makes a lot of sense, but I don't think she's the most artful in explaining Mm -hmm. that to us as readers. And it just makes it frustrating when everyone else is so great in comparison and that their moments, um, of weakness and struggle just land harder. And maybe that's not fair to Adrian, but um, we have to deal with what's on the page. And sorry, my dude, you're being a douche.
2: <laughs> like He just comes across as kind of bratty.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do really like the moment when Lysandra is stuck in the sea um, dragon form and he's like, I'm going to marry you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this works for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: I have that in my favorite quotes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk about it more. So, yeah. I mean, like, he's not a bad dude, but there's some toxic masculinity. I think there that um, I wish wasn't.
2: Let's talk about Lysandra again. An icon. I just love her so much. I feel like if she weren't there, everything would have gone to shit, like, an entire book ago. Um I feel like she is almost single-handedly winning every battle for them. And she's just, I don't know, she's just fucking badass. I just love her.
1: There is something, something Arabin did to those, those girls. Made them understand, like, they have the same belief, the same willingness to go all the way over the edge for what's right. And I think it's because, They've never been in control of their lives before before like honestly before this book before maybe Queen of Shadows they've never really had full control over their lives and now they can now they decide what their life is worth especially Lysander who's used to her like entire self being valuated to gold um, to be traded you know what she's worth marring her protege's face because she knows what the body of a woman is worth now she gets to decide what her life is worth. And she is the only one I think, so far, and, and maybe this changes later in the books. Who's like, I get exactly what Aelin's doing, and if it's what she wants to do, I will go all the way there with her. I am one hundred percent in. I'm not angry. I am not hurt. I will be my worst self for the best and that we can get, or terrasen afterwards. So, I just kind of
0: got chills, cat.
2: Like- you literally put that so like that. I. Like- that was could not perfectly that any better. It was perfect. Yeah. And,
0: that, and that's why I really like them too. She has this moment. I think is she talking to Adian or Rowan? I can't remember. I think it's Adian, but she's just like, it didn't really like stop to think about it. Like for all those reasons, like how horrible her life was. She takes the opportunity to do what's right and like gives it her all and doesn't Mm -hmm. ever stop to think about the cost to herself. And like girlfriends out there, shape-shifting left and right all the time, tapping into all of her magic, just being totally exhausted, spent. And you're right. She doesn't bat an eyelash. So I like that there's that moment about the cost to her. You know, the, Mm -hmm. one of the things about the series that like is my favorite thing about the series, why I love Aylan so much is like All her swagger bravado, but we know the cost and like how she has to deal with the cost. And Rowan is there to help her process the cost of all these things that she has to do. And so like to have that little moment for Lysandra is is just great too. And you're right. They have such parallel tracks and they keep pushing through, um, despite their exhaustion, despite everything.
2: I think you're so right about Lysandra being. Um, and continuing to be the only person that really gets every move that Aelin makes and like the why of it. And um, I think that's why that that friendship is so important. I think it it beats any romantic ship in this in these books. I think it's just that that Aelin and Lysandra, that core and also the core of of Aelin and Kale and, and Dorian. I think those two core friendships are like the most the most important relationships of these books it's um yeah it's really nice I'm gonna get
0: emotional I didn't have getting emotional <laughs> about Lysandra on my bingo card for tonight but here I am um gotcha. I love her but um, <laughs> let's actually talk about Aelin now while we just briefly did because like I have very few Aelin notes in this book like she's scheming and a lot of like fun plot things are happening Um, But like, obviously compared to the big emotional journey of like air of fire, like it's not quite as much of like an Aylan heavy book until the end where we find out that she is, is destined to um, have to sacrifice herself here to save the world.
1: I think, I think it's because Aylan knows we don't know until the end, but Aylan already knows. So Aylan's not processing anything. She's that's already worked through it. What she's doing is grinding. Yeah.
0: This book mm-hmm. is
1: just Aelin putting all, working as hard as she can to get everything in place before it catches up with her.
2: Yeah,
0: that's a really good point.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know what that reminds me of is uh, I don't know if you've ever read the rainy Cycle, but like Gansey doing, spending so much of that series, kind of just preparing his friends for for him to die. Um, that's what Aelin spends this book doing is preparing everybody around her for her to be gone and and making preparations that terracin is protected her friends are protected uh dorian's kingdom is even protected like she's just putting everything in place for that and it reminds me a lot of dianzi's journey just kind of never talking about it but just quietly trying to set his friends up to live without him
0: (laughs) Tasha, i'm not pleased (laughs) with you right now because i'm gonna melt down for sure if we're gonna talk about the raving cycle um no, but I think that that's really true, and that's why I think like the moments like where she's just getting physically ill, at the and and you find out at the end, it's because she knows. It's just like really hard to suffer through those moments of vulnerability with her because you're just like hurting so much for her, and <laughs> it like it really she she grinds so well though like in this book like all the Ailun scheming just comes to such like good fruition here that I remember the first time reading this book like the end when everyone shows up I had like chills and it didn't feel like you know Deus Ex machina like just kind of unearned like it was so earned like all of those people being there was so earned and they didn't come in time. Like that's the thing like they're yeah. not the saviors yeah. um at this point in the story. Like they're just they're there but it's it's maybe too late. Um and it's just like girl does really good um in setting up the best future for the people she loves, even though she might not be there to see it. It's just mm, I wrote
1: I wrote about this in my notes. I didn't have like a lot of notes, but overall. But the end of this book is very similar to the end of A Court of Wings and Ruin. Uh War and Ruin. I don't know. Akawar.
2: Not you. A,
0: a, a court wings in ruin
1: wings and ruin haha, because they're bats <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really similar where like you're in the battle and you're like oh they're so fucked and then it's like another one another one another mm. one they're all just coming out of the woodwork and it felt so fucking contrived and aqua yeah. I was like oh yeah they all arrived within five minutes of each other oh okay I believed it when everybody showed up on the right, like for Aylin because I believe that Aylin can pull it off. And I think that's like the that's what makes her the strongest main character for SJMS is like you believe that she can do fucking anything. Yeah. You already know that she she's pulled it off, and that's why you get chills because you're like, if it's not this is ridiculous, or how did this happen? You're just like, my bitch, I cannot believe yeah. that you have done it
0: again. <laughs> So that's my baby, and I'm real proud. Like that's tr- yeah. that's that's it exactly. It really is. It's so on point, and yeah, I just I don't know how much more to say about it because I just love her so much. I'm just like gobsmacked by her. Like she's just incredible to me. Um, gosh, what a literary feat! Like this character is because mm-hmm. the vulnerability and then the strength and the it's, just, it's the swagger. she's so good. But I want to talk briefly with you guys, what your thoughts are on this like conversation between Rowan and Aelin about like conquering the world. Because when I read it, I was kind of like, huh, I don't really remember this. And it's kind of a weird conversation where she thinks about, you know, he, Rowan says to her, oh, like, you know, you could, you could take over the world. And interestingly, her first thought is of like seeing her face in parts of the world that never even heard of Tara said. And then she thinks like, oh yeah, I could bring books and music, etc. cetera. Um, but she thinks, you know, there was no harm in saying it anyway in thinking about it stupid stupid, and useless as it was, even if wondering about the possibilities, perhaps it made it no better than Maven and Erewhon. And like, I just, I felt like it kind of just stuck out. I don't know. Is it like kind of like a, with great power becomes great responsibility or like the temptation of power to like maybe be more villainous, et cetera. Um, but it kind of felt like it just stood out as something that's not really, like, revisited. I don't know.
1: I think what makes Aelin so good, um, like, look at Marvel superheroes, right? Like, some of them are DC. I don't fucking know. Some of them <laughs> are, like, the whole world or the whole galaxy, right? And then you have Daredevil, who's, like, these 10 New York City blocks, are <laughs> the area that I'm in charge of. And when you have a character that's like as OP as Aelin, um, she just like, y- you know, she's got this court of the most powerful Fae of the world and the most powerful Fae in the world, most powerful Fae in the world. And then they all quake before her power. And she is the once in a millennia superpower. The question is like, well, what is, you know, what is satisfying to someone like that? How how do they overcome obstacles and they're the most powerful being available and you have to ask that question like what if you kept going and so much of what Aylin does is what she thinks is best regardless of what anyone else thinks and that's straight up conqueror dictator mindset and the only thing that differentiates her is where you if you agree with her morally and so what keeps her grounded and not power crazed and not evil to be honest, is her dedication to like her homeland and her saying like I could I could change things across the world and maybe I would think it was the right thing to do. Um, but I ha- I have duty and honor to one place and then I would like to rest and live a life. And I think that's what makes her relatable at the end of the day is that like her journey has an end. It's not a ceaseless conquering um, or overpowering of everyone else.
2: Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, with like suffering too, mm-hmm. because she has experienced that kind of just horrific suffering in the world that she is not going to be necessarily inclined to commit that um, or to further that being a victim of of that kind of like imperialism herself. Yeah. Um, this is a really dumb comparison, but it's like how they say that everybody should at one point in their life have to work in retail or food service um, just to prevent you from being an absolute monster of a human being. Um, it's like that, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think kind of exactly what you said, Kat, like how I think what, like the fact that she knows what the suffering is like, and she's experienced it firsthand on like such a grand scale. And like, she does have the power to change things. I think why it like, doesn't bother me as much here. Um, as it did like for instance in Silver Flames, we get like the idea of Resan floated as like High King. It's like, well, why? You know. <laughs> yeah, just a, a, a visible thumbs down for yes. listeners and how- uh,
2: hard pass. <laughs> yeah, that, that's gonna <laughs> be you know, a very, very big negative feelings for me right. too.
0: But it doesn't feel like it would be power for power's sake in the same way. And I don't mean to say that Resand is necessarily Erewhon or Maeve. Like, but Amron um, might be. For many <laughs> For many reasons. For
1: many reasons.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, but no, I think that that's why that probably sticks out more to us as readers. Being like, well, why? Like, why would we have... This this guy be high king. We don't need that. Um, whereas the world of Aurelia seems to have a lot of problems that potentially could benefit from an alien Galathinius. Well, solution. it's a little
1: a little Daenerys Targaryen, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Go forth and be the liberator. But at what point mm-hmm. do you become just another conqueror instead?
0: Yeah. Very good point. It's a very good point. So I guess that's something we'll explore as we go into the last book here but I just again it was like a passage that kind of was like oh huh this is interesting we're talking about this here um okay as as always I have no row notes because again he exists to just support our girl he and exists I love at that the for him of, of
1: yep. he's a wife guy that's yeah, that's he who totally
0: he is 100%. <laughs> love that for him and for for me as a and reader. for her yeah um it's it's great Uh, no like I think all their moments in this book are really lovely they continue to be so lovely I love their first time it's great comes after a huge um horrible moment and and she I, I just love the emotional vulnerability that they are able to have with each other and um (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say the words mounting sexual tension. I mean like that's quite literally what is <laughs> happening in this book. It's there and it super works for me. I want them to have that time together too. Um her goodbye to him where she where he goes off to save Dorian where she's just like I can't and he's like you will. It's just it's good stuff and it it their relationship means a lot to me. Um I'm I'm so happy for her that she has him. And yeah, so sorry, Rowan. No notes. Just keep doing what you're doing, my dude. Um, <laughs> We appreciate you. All right, let's talk about Manon. Because yeah, like separate of Dorian first, because like, I think I was really struck on this read by like her and Aelin's relationship more so than I was initially. Because like they start this book like, you know, when they first see each other again, they're like, oh, shit. Like, alan last saw on when, like, Astorin had shot her through the shoulder, etc. Like, it's kind of like a Lork and Aelin situation where it's like these two people, like, they're primed to kind of butt heads. And, like, the grudging respect into this, the whole end of the book where they go through the mirror together and they're both there to witness this prophecy and Aelin, like sneaking the word keys off to Manon and Manon, like respecting that and not doing anything to prevent May from taking a Like that's really good stuff. It's really good plotting and it's really Mm -hmm. satisfying because they are at odds with each other so much. And you don't ever get an explicit like, oh yeah, I like that Aelin or, oh yeah, I like that Manon. Like you just see it on the page through their actions. And it's just, it's brilliantly done. I think.
2: By yeah. Sarah. I really love that they're on yeah. this parallel journey and it makes kind of like a lot of that drudgery kind of stuff that we dealt with at Barath with Manon just everything's worth it because they've been on such parallel journeys and they've all been just working towards each other because they're both part of this big prophetic thing. And yeah, it's good stuff. And with a lead too, they have so many of these like connections to each other.
1: If I could believably get Manon's face tattooed over my face. I would. I love her so much from the top of her. I eat boys like you for breakfast head to the bottom of her. Maybe feelings are real toes. Like she is (laughs) my everything. And I love her journey and her journey. So many female main characters, their journey is about finding hardness and strength. And Manon's journey is about finding softness while still maintaining like who she believes that she is and oh it just hits so right it's so good I love her so much and this is the book where it really happens for her you know she's had those inklings and those thoughts but she has to make that choice um in this book and so yeah this I guess book. she had many
2: versions of like she had that arc and era of fire then she had a bigger version of that arc queen of shadows and then the beginning of this book is really the culmination of all that, where she finally makes that, that choice. Like you said,
0: this passage just blew me away. This is when she's supposed to kill Astrid and man and Manon understood in that moment that there are forces greater than obedience and discipline and brutality understood that she had not been born soulless. She had not been born without a heart for there both were begging her not to swing that blade. And it's just like, holy shit. And it's, it's exactly like what you said to Asia. Like it's the culmination of two books that we've seen all along, Manon, girl, you, you have a heart, like you have a soul. Um, but for her to realize it, Oh, it's really good shit. It's really good.
2: The- and I would also throw it all away for her. Yeah. Our girl
0: Astrid Blackbeak. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she is- she's great. Um, when they show up at the end. Very,
2: yeah.
0: very, very good. I stuff. have on my
2: notes, I was like, is it a deus ex machina? Maybe. Do I care? Absolutely fucking not. It was awesome. That shit no, rolled. It's not because Abraxas,
0: like, was gone for a reason. Yeah. Abraxas continues yeah. to be baby. He continues to be the best and knows exactly what Manon needs by bringing her to alan and by bringing the 13 to her at the end. Um, Can I say that the moment that unexpectedly made me just literally, like like burst out into tears. I'm going to cry again right now. I was like sitting across from my husband and he like looks up at me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I am not. It's when <laughs> <laughs> um, a lead and uh, finally meets alan and she like looks over and she sees Manon, and Manon just mouths the word hope to her. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It just Oh, what a payoff, like of all these people too. Like that's part of the leads journey, right? Like people thinking, what are you going to do? Like you're going to find this long lost queen. She's not going to be anything. She's not going to be what you expect. She's not going to be able to save your kingdom. You know, you're never going to get there. And Manon was guilty of that. And Lorkin's guilty of that. And then for them all to be there to support her in that moment and realize that, oh shit, this girl was right all along too much for me too (laughs) too much Ah! (laughs) okay and then um I think again related to what you were saying though Kat though about like how her journey is not the prototypical like finding strength it's more of like a a softening is like her moments with Dorian which like man, this is a great example of kind of what you were saying at the beginning Kat, about like how you're not here for, um, like sex, just for sex sake on the page. Mm-hmm. This is like the best example of that. Like her, like quote unquote, submitting herself, like to a man for the first time in the freedom, like that, that gives her, she never contemplated what it would be like to yield control and not have it be a weakness, but a freedom growth.
1: Ah. It's the same reason why I think Elaine should top <laughs> You
2: Gotta let it go, baby. You gotta let somebody else be in charge sometimes. I got everyone always talks about Azriel being like a freak in a dom kind of way. But I'm like, maybe he's a freak in a sub kind of way. And I could see it. Yeah. I get a thousand percent see it. I have the
1: beginnings of many chapters written where he discovers just that. So... <laughs>
0: Um, I I don't mean to like, again, bring this back to to the Raven cycle or like super subdom dynamics, but like one of my favorite Raven cycle fanfics is mine and Tasia's like OTP of all time is Ronan and Adam from Raven cycle. And there's this fic that I read where Adam is a sub. And for reasons that's like plot reasons, I think very interesting, but he has had a lot of like emotional manipulation in his life and physical abuse um in his life and for him the chance to be the sub in this relationship is for him to just kind of like let go and like breathe and have someone take care of him
2: and so like i'm safe under somebody else's control exactly
0: and i like love this this very long fic where it's an au of of him in that sort of position, physically, emotional position. But that's how I felt like reading this, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I felt reading this, like similar, like Manon, like being such this like power and like, I eat men for breakfast, et cetera. And like actually finding comfort and being on the like receiving end of things. Just, I really enjoyed that emotional element to it. It's great. And
2: that's why it works so well. I am, but a simple woman. I am here for Shadow Hands. Well, I mean, yes, that's <laughs> and, the way. And, and chains. Shadow Hands and chains and uh, Dorian the billiard. No, but mm. yeah, the whole all of it is really good. All of the just like the care they that that Sarah took in writing their scenes, I think, was just really well done. Um, regarding like that, the quote unquote submission or the the yielding of um, Manon giving her power to Dorian in that moment is.
0: Isn't it really telling that like the thing that for the witches to like be the most powerful and give their most magic is called the yielding, like where they have this like one moment. Mm -hmm. And so she's becoming empowered in a different way here by like allowing someone to be close to her. And they both benefit from that in really interesting ways. And I think that's, it's a different kind of yielding, but it's just, it's very important here. Um, You know, Dorian is my favorite character in this series as I've talked about a lot. Uh, Ailin, Dorian. But, like, Dark Dorian is, like, where it really ratchets, ratchets it up for me. Because
2: he, <laughs> in this book, huh, he's different. I talk to Corinne all the time about how, like, my personal kryptonite is, like, sad, horny boys. And that's why I liked in your notes, Pat, that you put, like, I, I just want a sad man to disrespect me. Like, nothing has... has <laughs> hit me in the heart like that did um yeah it's I just have something for um this guy he, and he used to be so like kind of happy-go-lucky very flirty very like sl- slutty boy I love a slutty boy you make that boy broken and sad and a little bit dark oh oh I, I eat that shit for breakfast well, and he
0: still is being a little slutty boy here this is the I wrote on my slutty. notes yeah, the, this is like yeah I, I have no interest in human woman he purred too breakable he purred he is flirting through his devastation and emotional trauma and he's still being a slut about it and i
2: love this for our guy it's just
0: takes and I mean, a different he was tone. even doing
2: that when he was possessed too like the only bit of hand that could come out was slutty dorian trying to hit on manon and i love that for no. me mostly. he says
0: i wanted <laughs> you since oakwald and it's like you were possessed by a demon in oakwald my dude um yeah it's uh It's, it's a lot.
1: Yeah. Feel free to just send me links to any fanfics that you recommend. So
0: It's just, it's a lot. And like, I think what really is super interesting about Dorian in this book and then how it ties in with Manon is like in the same way that we, um, like with Manon, like it's, it's kind of a flip of the trope of like her softening and that's like a different kind of strength like sending your shiny golden boy prince down a really dark path is also a really interesting choice and and seeing how it changes him um and i just love to like we get all these moments from like Lysandra says something to like you know Adian in that moment where he's like oh he's just, he's going to be with the witch and she's like i it makes sense like he's been through a lot and she's done a lot of things and you know the idea of human versus immortal you know breakable versus not breakable like that's all on a surface level very compelling but like at the root of it is the fact that dorian has been through some shit now and he needs someone who's going to appreciate what that is like and manana is equipped to do so on multiple levels first of all she's descended from the thing that possessed him so she on a level has a connection with that and she's done a lot of shit in her life
2: she she represents also the thing that the thing that possessed him was most afraid of like terrified of Minon, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the golden yeah. eyes the val king eyes and also she represents the exact opposite of everything sorsha was like in in personality um yeah and it's it's kind of it is really sad i mean Lysandra like sees it but Manon also sees it like when he says like oh you know uh I'd have no interest in human women too breakful. And like not even in that moment is like, ooh, <laughs> like sad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but then she's the only one who when he's like, I would like tear down the world. Like if if I could, because he says, because she died. And even before she did this world saw to it that she suffered and was afraid and alone. And even though no one will remember who she was, I do, I will never forget the color of her eyes or the way she smiled. And I will never forgive them for taking it away. And Manon had no answer and she knew he wasn't looking for one, but she said, anyway, good. And like, he needs that from someone who gets it like on a really visceral level and like Damn, that's why that ship just works so well. Um, the emotional foundation for the two of them is just, whew, uh, it's really, really, really good. And like the fact that she can also tell him, you know, I see you looking to think like, am I becoming a monster like them? The fact that you have a line, like that's a good thing. Like that means you're not, it works on so many levels because yes she's in a position to recognize that but it also is like yeah manon you can recognize that because you are also not a monster and that's your journey in this <laughs> it just ah <laughs> again someone else talk <laughs> <laughs> i'll just keep word vomiting
1: <laughs> like you're just saying all the right things
2: <laughs> yeah you could just see inside my head and all it is is shadow heads. it's there's no head empty Mean- I mean, we'll
1: get, I mean, it's my favorite, my favorite spoon moment for the superlative. So I'm kind of yeah. saving all yeah, my, well, all my horny juice yeah. for when we, can- we'll
0: save <laughs> <that. Yeah. laughs> um, and I'm, and I'm ready for that. I think though, too, what is more subtle again, this time around, I picked up what Dorian is like his own, like kind of feeling like, oh yeah, I'm King. And I'm going to use that again, you know? Cause like when he has to flee Adderlan, he's just like. What do I do? He's so meek in that moment. And then I love like him and Rowan, like training buddies. It's very sweet. And I, I really like, you know, Rowan telling him like, you'll find your way out of this darkness too, because Rowan just went on that journey. Um, So all of that plus Manon builds up to him kind of at the end being like, Hey, I'm, I'm a King here too. Like I can make decisions. And he does make that decision and figures out the thing about the mirror, the riddle, or whatever—I actually love in that moment because he like says to because "She looks like pissed off people. Other than you, can solve things, you know." And she just glares, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and if she's like, "I don't like this." And he's like, "Because you didn't think of it, yeah." <laughs> you and, like, like it.
0: that's a big sign of growth, I think, for Dorian. Mm-hmm. Not just like that he's using his brain, which I think like Rowan thinks at one point too, like that's Dorian's real gift. Like he's never been on the battlefield, but that brain man, like he can think of all these things, but he's able to use it again by the end. And he's able to engage in humor with his friend again. And he's not such a sad sack anymore. And 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 totally he should have been a sad sack, but like it's a, a subtle empowerment of him again um, that I really like. And shocking that I'm not wearing my Heavily Yard sweatshirt here today. I know. I was just going to say. It was dirty. And I felt like that besmirched him. Like I should not. It would be disrespectful for me to wear a dirty sweatshirt with his name on it. So like washing. you
1: sure it. he wouldn't like it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's a different man. Kind of it. dirty. rock <laughs> dirty. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he wants
2: like rags and like cooking
0: juices on his
2: i don't know man when was the last time banan had a bath when, that's when a really she was good point. Walked up in that room that's say. a very
0: good point yeah she had some real serious wounds that i don't know how much they cleaned her up <laughs> and yeah yet- well, she took
2: a bath in the ocean when she fell off abraxas wait oh, yeah and dorian jumped in just the one that jumped in to save her
0: and I love how he's just like, I, he didn't feel the need to mention that he jumped in to save her. He's <laughs> like, I feel the need to mention that, Dorian. Thank you. Um, also, can we just briefly talk about how there's one point um, where Manon references Aelin and Rowan as like Aelin and her mate. And it's like really early in the book. And it's like, she just, it's it's perfect because it's kind of like a way of Sarah like planting the seed. And it attracts like, it to me that Manon like an outsider would be like, Oh yeah, these two like clearly mates. And like, we know, Aylin she doesn't it. realize it's a secret. And
2: then a right. People don't exactly.
0: know. Um, and Aylan like knows this too. Like the whole time you find out later, but like, um, it's just, it's really funny how it's just, it's just dropped in there. Like, ah, yes. Like, of course this woman and her mate, uh, our, our girl, she's smart. I actually think we moved through a lot of things here with pretty good speed, friends.
2: Yeah. Go team. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Maybe we should talk about Elena a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. That bitch. We did,
2: we did talk about how she is sort of the, the Dumbledore raising the land for slaughter. But um, I also think I, I don't know if I really caught this in my first read that uh, Elena was supposed to take Aelin when she had fallen into the river um as a child just take her and get the word "he's" then and have her sacrifice herself then and I was thinking about it and like obviously we don't want it to go that way because we love Ailyn we want her to grow up we want her to live her life we want this story to unfold um but if you think about it just Elena could have ended it there um Erewhon would have gone home none of these bad things would have happened to any of these people <laughs> Um, all like the death, the torture, the, the taking over of the entire world uh, would have been halted in its tracks would have been done. But Elena wanted Ayen to get to live a little before she dies, which also doesn't really feel like that big of a kindness to me because when you know what you're leaving, that feels that feels way more harsh. Like that feels I don't know, that feels crueler.
1: That's a big difference between Elena, Elena, and Ailyn. Is Elena's too weak to do what needs to be done? That's her constant curse, and that's mm-hmm. alan's cross to bear. Is that she's not too weak to do what needs to be done? Yeah,
0: yeah. that's fuck Elena. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's it's hard because like just the one like. Prequel, not prequel, prologue chapter we get from her isn't enough to really like endear her to me, like, and mm-hmm. like kind of get what she's doing. So you already have a sense that she's a shady bitch before that point. But then you're like, girl, you're like sneaking off in the night. You're like convincing your dude to like come with you.
2: And the fact that she stole the lock to begin with, like, Brandon had a whole plan. Yeah. Which, yes, he probably should have told her. That's definitely on hand. That's not entirely her fault. But he did tell her a lot. Please wait. Please don't do this. Please wait. Like, maybe assume there's a plan in place there instead of fucking over everybody for the next thousand years.
0: You have noted nameless is my price. I understood about 30% of this plot twist while it was happening. And, like, I, I just have to say, like, good for ailen i mean this is like sarah being a writer and she can have ailen do whatever she wants but like that ailen figures it out i'm like it doesn't really tee up for me in this in a clear way until you get that big reveal it's
1: it's the it's the same thing that happens in the last 200 pages of every sjm book ever like you hit the top of the final hill the roller coaster and then you're just going Two hundred miles per hour, a shoe <laughs> drops every paragraph, and you're like, "All right, okay, whatever you say, sure, keep going." And <laughs> you just like you don't even have time to contemplate what's happening or why. And um I didn't fault Ailyn for all the armies sh- showing up. I believed she could do that. Did I fully believe that she had cracked that? Like she was the sacrifice because of the phrase "nameless is my pride." No, oh. but. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love her too much. Uh, but I, that was one where I was like, I'm just going to squint and read these paragraphs real fast. Cause it feels a little bit like bullshit. Yeah.
0: yeah. There's a lot like, I don't know. We know Eileen's a prolific reader. So like if she's ever read another chosen one story, the writing's on the wall for you mm-hmm. here. Dearest. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that would be more believable to me that she was just like, huh. Like this big thing involving like people from another world, like, hmm, like, I don't know, am I gonna walk away from this? Um, it's just, um, yeah, it is, it is a lot to take in that it doesn't really seem believable. Um, what I also hate too, but what I, what I think is really interesting when kind of going forward is like that it could have been Dorian. I think last episode I said that Dorian was Neville of this <laughs> you know, series. Like he's almost, <laughs> the we've got our, we our Harry, we got our Neville,
2: we yeah. got our, our Dumbledore.
0: Um, but like, it's really interesting to track them now going forward, you know, Elena says Dorian wasn't ready and that's totally true. And we are at like this, this first part of this new Dorian in his arc in this book. And, I don't think it's a spoiler to say cat, like there's more coming for him. Like he has a whole thousand page book, um, to continue to, to grow through. And so it sets them up on this really interesting, um, like twin path that they could have been on. And, um, I think that's part for me, what makes them a really compelling friendship duo, um, throw kale in there too, but, um, because it could be either of them and how that plays out is um <laughs> my babies again dory and alan which one i don't know i love them both um and they both have a lot of shit thrust upon them and they both do what they need to do <laughs> okay anything else
2: big thoughts
1: this is um, the best one in this series so far yeah
2: mm-hmm. i do have a lot of love for kingdom of ash but this one is my favorite kingdom of ashes like
0: needs it could be a little shorter i don't want like less time with my characters but like it's just like oh there's a lot happening here um this one's just like it's a tighter book everything for the most part like builds really Very well, well yeah um and it's just again all your friends coming together you know you the hard reset of *Era fire is like think very disorienting to a lot of readers. And when you reread it, you're like, okay, yeah, now I like know these people and I like them and it makes sense. But um, I think if you can continue to make it through to this point in the book and you like finally see them all merged together, you're like, wow, like she did something really fun here and really cool. Um, And this is a great payoff to it. And plus the end of this book is just iconic. Where is my wife? Like, ah, it's, uh, I, the first time I read this book, I drove around listening to the same song on repeat over and over <laughs> again. Cause I was like, so in my room and alien feelings. And it's like really embarrassing. Not that I'm embarrassed of my love of musical theater. I'm not, but it like, didn't even totally a hundred percent work like this one song from this, like very kind of obscure musical, but just came into my head. Like do you ever those moments where you're like, one song, um, comes into your head, um, called I'm, I'd give it all for you from the musical songs for a new world. And like, just like the chorus of it, just like broke me. Like I literally didn't listen to anything else for like three weeks in my car, dark days, dark days. Cause (laughs) you, you, and you have this noted here too, Kat, like, like whether or not Rowan and like super works, like up to this point, is debatable, I think, but like oh boy, like, are you locked and loaded by the end of this book? Holy
1: shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm i almost, I'm never the biggest fan of, like, her main male character. Like, it's never the one that I love the most. Um, and especially Rowan. A lot of people talk about the missing chapters from ACOTAR, but very few people talk about how there's a bonus chapter from Air of Fire. Hmm. uh that i stumbled upon accidentally and it's an entire chapter that like bridges for me all the gaps in Rowan and Alan's relationship. Wow. They like reference that like she set like one of his former lovers on fire or whatever. It happens in that chapter. Like it's i feel like so much of the meat of their relationship was cut for progressing the story and so i just never really understood how we went from like growling at each other to like guy. He... yeah well when he shows up in queen of shadows and she like sprints down the alley and hugs him I was like what have they ever embraced before I wasn't sure and I know they're like um cantaloupes or whatever the fuck that word is for their like being magical blood <laughs> but <laughs> but it's still like I don't know. I was never like fully on board. And then he, um, spent his entire night desperately begging on his knees, which is hard for him. Um, you know, his cousins and his family and anyone he's ever met to commit treason basically, uh, because he loves her so much and he's so afraid he's going to lose her. And then I was like, okay,
0: I guess you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so. I, 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 am I I totally agree. Like I have gotten by this book. You're right. Like it totally like locks in. She just writes it so well that you're just like, I'm in, like, I don't care how we got, we got here, but we're here now. And I'm all on board. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it is super affecting. Like he's the only thing he could give her in that moment. Like.
2: I think once Sarah locked down what she wanted to do with Rowan, that's when everything started clicking when she was like, okay, Rowan is the wife guy. We're going to make him just 100% support his girl um that's when everything Rowan just really falls into place
0: yeah he could have done she could have done more with him in air fire like his pov and he she she could tease it out a little more but I'm there now I'm here um it's because of that that they're only my third favorite ship um it's fine but it's like still like I love them all like mm. these three ships are probably my favorite compared with like out of her whole series like all of her series There's I was going to see I,
2: I think I like these three better than or at least the top two better than I like most of her other ships I'm a, yeah. I, I love casting yeah. and Nesta but
0: uh, we have a new ship in Crescent City too that I think could yeah yeah that one get too me like... <laughs> Get me there get me there
2: okay, okay.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Should we do superlatives? Let's do, it. Let's do it. Right. We'll start with favorite quote. Kat, would you like to go first? Oh, okay. We'll go like round robin. Uh, sure.
1: Um, so before I ever knew that before you'd even invited me to be here on this wondrous day, I had pulled this quote and it's really simple. I don't think it's quoted on any quote pages. But it's from one of Aylan's chapters. And it just says she did not give her fear an inch of space. And I got full body chills because it was so Aylan. And it's not, I mean, it's that classic, like being brave isn't not being afraid. It's being afraid and doing the thing anyway, you know? Yeah. And just that, that idea that she is fighting herself as hard as she is fighting everyone else really gets me. Yeah. Speaks to me.
0: Incredible. Incredible. I'm going to go with a lighter moment here for my first one. This is when when Ailyn is in Roll's office pretending to be Selena and (laughs) she starts flirting with Rowan and she goes you I don't know but I'd like to Rowan's lips tugged upward. I'm not on the market, unfortunately. And I just
2: like love that they're it's like so flirting
0: cute. through the ruse, and the whole ruse is mm-hmm. so great. And I love too, like, and Aylan is like, oh, she must be the most
2: beautiful, <laughs> wonderful.
0: Like, <laughs> and Rowan's like, yep. And he's mm-hmm. like, yes,
2: yes, correct. It's uh, so cute.
0: Yeah, I love that whole moment. And I like too, like, I think Dorian Cox, like, oh shit, like she is Selena, and like how he can see. Oh, wait, like that really was a totally different person, like a, a whole fa- different facade that she put on. And uh, it's good stuff. Kasia. Hey,
2: May smile slightly. What a joy to learn that your usual good spirits remain undimmed in such dark days. How could they not when so many of your pretty males are in my company? She's just fucking petty queen. I love her. Yeah, that's our girl. I love it. <laughs> Great. Pat, um,
1: We talked about this moment earlier, but it really got me um it's adian and lysandra after she's uh saved everyone um and he says the useless sentries in the watchtower are now now all half in love with you he lied one said he wanted to marry you a low snarl he yielded a foot but held eye contact with her as he grinned but you know what i told them i said that they didn't stand a chance in hell because i'm going to marry you he promised her one day I'm going to marry you. I'll be generous and I'll let you pick when, even if it's ten years from now or twenty. But one day you are going to be my wife. He shrugged. Princess Lysandra Ashriver sounds nice, doesn't it?
2: Boy, that, that just gives me Adian so moment. Sad. <laughs> like, such a good it,
0: moment. It's a great example of things in these books in particular that, in real life, if a guy said this to me, I'd be like, nope. Nope, like, That's what who, who do yeah. you think you are right? on my watch <laughs> But like a fae dude says this to me in an SJM book and I'm like, I would love that. Thank you. Snap me in head. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Snap <Step on laughs> me. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, okay, this is another funny moment. Again, I just was really picking up on like a lot of the moments between Aelin and the cadre in this book and I just, I liked the song. Ail- this is not Gabriel. <laughs> okay, I, I can do it without laughing. Aylan had called him Uncle Kitty Cat all of one time before Adian had snarled viciously enough to make her think carefully before using the term again. Gabriel, to his credit, had merely given Aylan a long-suffering sigh that seemed to be used only when she or Fenris were around. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I think it's really funny. I also will say just to like briefly like call back to our eating discussion. I think one of the reasons that also in this book starts to turn the tide for me with him is like, I don't really get like why he's so pissy, at Gabriel. We spent like all this time with him in the couple books before this. And like, he never even like thought about like, Oh, if, if he had ever like thought like I was abandoned by my father
2: or something, I don't get why he's so mad. It's just weird for him to put all the blame for that situation on his father who didn't even know he existed. Yes. Like yes. his mother intentionally kept that information from him and ran away. Right. Not that she's at fault either. She did what she had to do to keep him safe from Maeve. But that's not Gabriel's fault. The only thing that Gabriel, that is Gabriel's fault is being blood oath to Maeve in the first place. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what his circumstances were when he took that blood oath. So...
0: Just another good example of like how Aiden is like, I feel like the least developed POV character in this series, but it is what like it is. Kat, okay, you have another one?
1: Yep, this is my last one. Um, Dorian says this, which makes it even better, but he says, you will find Rolf that one does not deal with Selena Sardothian. one survives her and I feel like that is everyone's sentiment after dealing with Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah. I definitely had that one highlighted too it's just (laughs) Selena slash Aylin all rolled into one Yeah, and then I just have two
0: brief ones I've already said this numerous times but like where is my wife's just iconic jaw drop moment like holy shit they got married like ah like now she's in a box and it's just very devastating (laughs) now (laughs) Um, she's in a box she is. She has a mask. I'm on her sorry face. but your delivery on that. Was really funny. <laughs> oh, I just have <laughs> a lot of feelings. Okay, I can't. It's just it's way right now. <laughs> um, this is from our boy Dorian. <laughs> um, he says this to Rowan at them, where they're kind of making their final last stand against Mave's Armada, and he goes, "It's not such a hard thing, is it, to die for your friends?" And I think that's another great example of how like Dorian and Aylin are like really on a lot of the same like trajectory here. Like that is what she has been set forth to do. That is what this whole, I keep wanting to say prophecy because it's just 20 plus years of reading Harry Potter. Like you think it's a prophecy. It's not like the whole Elena curse. Like, you know, again, how it could be either of them. Like that is what Aylin has to do. Um, It's just mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Favorite character and favorite character arc. Tage, would you like to go first?
2: Sure. Um, it's mostly like a, I guess, a four-way tie between Alid, Manon, <laughs> Lysandra, and Dorian. Um, all of whom I would die for right now, if you would ask. Um, yeah, uh, Lysandra in battle is just more badass than anybody else on the page. Uh, I don't care how powerful these fate males are. She's the one fucking killing it out there. Um yeah, Minon a lead, obviously. Dorian, obviously. That's that's all I got.
1: Just a lot of love. Um, I have a lead. Uh, because when we get introduced to her, she's just kind of this like small baby bird that like everyone's like, oh buddy, you're gonna die. Um <laughs> and through her POV, like it's she's never being strong. She's just putting one foot in front of the other. Like she's not it's not like Aylin's POV where she knows she's being clever and she's no, she's outwitting people. Um, we see all of that through Lorcan's eyes. We see her being smart and crafty and strong despite everything else. And I'd like specifically falling in love with a lead through Lorcan's eyes is just... I'll never get to read it for the first time again. And that makes me sad.
0: Yeah, that's a really retweet everything you said I think I have to say lead mm-hmm. to like her arc her character and yeah I think that's exactly what makes her and Lorcan so special to me is like you really do you're in it with them in the way that as we talked about like you don't necessarily get the same development with Rowan and Aelin and then mm-hmm. you know Manon and Dorian have a lot of other great things um, happening between them too but it's you really do get that sense of like falling in love together and, and, and that yeah. <laughs> okay. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, and then swoon moment I have t- several written. So I'll go first with my number one, one, which is I want to go to print with you. Lives rent free in my brain. Like one of my favorite moments in the series. It. Is beautiful for so many reasons. Number one, just, it's just a quiet moment. And you know what that means for him to say that in that moment, the, the foundation has been laid. Um, that's the most emotionally vulnerable thing he said to her, um, to that point. And it comes on him willing to sacrifice himself for her. And then he drops that shield. It's just, I love an out of context line that like isn't on its face, romantic and swoony, But when you know the breadth of the relationship, it staggers you anyway. Top notch. Good, good stuff, Sarah. Cat, I'm actually
1: just going to read word for word what I wrote in this document. Yes, please do. Because otherwise I'll just spiral
0: out. Um, I would also like the record to reflect listeners that we invited Kat several months ago when we started planning our coverage to this podcast and sent her this Google Doc. And like immediately you put this in and we're like, oh, we're going to get along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the first thing I wrote in the doc like (laughs) months ago. I love
0: it so much. The please. Yes.
1: Great. (laughs) Manon tied to the bed and I'm not afraid to say it. Nothing like a hearty moment of bisexual panic. While daddy Dorian ghost hands Javiard tells the scariest witch to ever grace the skies that he likes her tied down and she agrees this is not a young adult answer and while I vehemently disagree that Manon is a bottom I still love this scene so much I just want a sad boy to disrespect me
2: I mean I need to get that tattooed on me honestly (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, and it's like oh god yeah that moment too like I don't see a lot of fan art of it and I would like to see more fan art of it like I see a lot of Menorian magic hands moments but it's like more when he's got her up against the wall like when they finally do it you don't see this one and this is definitely top notch top notch um those handcuffs were still there they should have used them just saying would have liked it would have liked it tasia Oh, wait, I guess I'll, can I just say this? I'll just yeah. say, th- okay. let me just say this next one here that I've written down because it is a corollary to cats, which is I can think of better uses for my hands, invisible and flush an invitation and a question. She held his gaze then finish what you started. I need a fan. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: myself. All right, Tisha, now you can go. Aelin met Rowan's stare and said clearly and boldly and without a speckle of doubt, I love you. I am in love with you, Rowan. I have been for a while, and I know there are limits to what you can give me, and I know you might need time. His lips crushed into hers, and he said onto her mouth, dropping words more precious than rubies and emeralds and sapphires into her heart her soul. I love you. There is no limit to what I can give you, no time I need. Even when this world is a forgotten whisper of dust between the stars, I will love you. I told
0: Tasia every time I read their first time, I like it more and more. Because um, it does have a good like emotional vulnerability to it. It comes after she like nearly uses the word keys power to like take out all of Skulls Bay. And like, it's just, it's a really lovely moment for them. People like to make fun of it a lot. You know, like the sex on the beach jokes are there. Um, I don't think it's her cringiest sex
2: scene uh, oh, that she's no. ever written. <laughs> I mean, it's no, his brows of pleasure filled intent. drowning out Uh, there's there's nothing that's gonna ever beat that
0: i was gonna say nothing will ever beat recent um pharaoh over the skies of Valeris. oh god
2: no no you know what's you know what's worse uh him arriving to the thought or the image of their future son that pharaoh sends down the the bond that's that's the cringiest i have a
1: text from ollie waiting for the next tiktok i made about it in all caps about that moment just furious
0: <laughs> it is um, it's yeah. unhinged yeah
1: that's re- that's because reesand is the cringiest of all of her characters truly,
0: truly. no yeah yeah
1: As much as i love him and
0: then i love him too i would die for him but he's cringe sometimes and that's part of why we love him so it's just it's weird. We can tame <laughs> multitudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh I did have one other student moment, written, and but we kind of already talked about it. Um, this is the sentence I wrote, I'm such a lurk in trash, but man, that scene where she kills the Ilkin and they promise to always find each other, and then he cuts up his shirts for her, period. It's just like that is a crazy sentence, but yet <laughs> it totally works. Just just like it sounds like it shouldn't be so subversive to have a um, five hundred plus year old fey man tear up his shirts for your period, but like it is, and like that's fucking swoon worthy. I like have I don't think I've ever had like a guy buy me like tampons. Yeah, I've never asked to say this, but that's the- on me
2: like (laughs) this is absolute peak man written by a woman like that's like the funniest thing that this guy does is cut up his own shirts for her to bleed onto. like it's just fucking hot peak male written by a woman
0: yeah totally oh my god um any any other uh haunt we want to because this is this is the hottest book i think for sure um there's good moments coming for you cat but like Nothing beats what we have written here, I'll just say.
1: <laughs> Working in and Elite, like, they're, like, lying in some sort of, like, half-assed shelter.
2: Yeah. And. That make out
0: is hot. It,
1: yeah.
2: I yeah, told Corinne, was... I highlighted that entire chapter. Like, I, I did not know where to stop. It just kept getting better.
1: He's so big and so mean and she's so small and so soft and they just want to touch mouths and i love it so much
0: it's it's for me when she puts his her hand on his cheek and he does the lean in he leans a,
2: into it like a cat oh uh,
0: and um with like he keeps saying
2: her name like onto her skin i think it's like, like he a like prayer whispers her name like a prayer onto it under her skin oh it's
1: see this <laughs> is the kind of thing that like makes my boyfriend upset right because afterwards I'm going to be like why have you never whispered my name like a prayer onto my skin and he's going to be like stop reading books
0: <laughs> friends I actually I was gonna say we moved through this at a pretty quick pace but we didn't really it's quite long but
2: that's <laughs> us every single week we did such a good job oh it's been three hours
0: no yeah, but I think we it was not three hours Thank God. But, <laughs> but I think we actually didn't move through this book, which I love so much at a pretty good clip. So good job team. Um, we are going to have a brief spoiler section that Tasia and I are going to record separately. Um, as Kat has not, uh, completed so the series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will not spoil specific things for her at this time, but, um, we'll, we'll cut that in here. Kat, Thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was so fun. We love talking about these books with other people who love them as much as we do. We love another Dorian, Magic Hands, Halliard Stan. And another
2: member of our uh, Hot Mean Girls Club. We love love Hot Hot Mean Mean Girls. Girls.
0: Like we love Manon. Like, uh, just, yeah, it just was very, uh, we're very happy to have you here today. It was an honor
1: thank you so much I had so much fun
0: we'd love to have you come back at any time um and we will can't wait to hear what you think when you finish uh someday it's exciting
1: one day one day I'm so afraid like I literally had the thought while we were doing this and I was like I'm never going to finish this series this series I love them too much I know they don't all survive um I don't deserve
0: that <laughs> uh, I mean again good self preservation instinct um but I I look forward to if you do someday uh, oh, well, hearing what no you way. think. Um <laughs> I like it a lot. It worked it worked out I think for me so I hope it does for you. Um again tell our listeners where they can connect with you online, TikTok, Instagram, etc.
1: Yeah, I'm uh C Cat Reed and that like has periods in between each word so it's c.cat dot read um at tiktok and instagram if you want to watch me fight invisible made-up men in bar fights or any of the other unhinged things that i do on the internet for anyone to see so
0: highly recommend (laughs) highly (laughs) recommend Uh, tasia where can our listeners connect with you online
2: you can find me on instagram at ragey cakes
0: And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Actia Age. You can choose an email if you'd like at actiaagepod at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, that would be very helpful to us. Uh, Get us up in those book pod search ratings. Uh, That'd be great for us. Um, But I think next, wait. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tasha. Are we actually going to take a break from Throne of Glass like we said we were going to when we began this coverage? We are
2: like five books in. Oh Remember? my Remember God. when we had that really cute idea that we were going to do a non-Throne of Glass book in between each Throne of Glass book? And then we didn't do that at all.
0: Because these books are like <laughs> 600 pages and we love them too much and our feelings can't be contained to one episode per <laughs> book as we planned. Yes, that happened. But we are going to have a non-Throne of Glass episode next. We are going to be covering Heartstopper by Alice Osman as well as season one of the adaptation that is premiering on Netflix on April 22nd. We are really excited about this. We love Heartstopper. If you're not familiar, Heartstopper started out as a webcomic available on apps such as Webtoon and Tapas. It has now been printed in several volumes. I believe that season one is going to be covering Maybe the first two chapters of Heartstopper, whatever the show covers is what we are going to cover in terms of the corresponding comic content. So again, check this out from your local library, buy physical copies, or just download it online for free uh, and catch up with us to talk about this really sweet queer web comic turned TV show. We're really excited about it. And then after that, we will be back in your feeds with more Throne of Glass in the tail end of this journey. We'll be covering Tower of Dawn, the Kale book, and we're really excited about that as well. Other than that, Kat, again, thank you so much for being here with us. We really enjoyed it. And friends, stay tuned for our spoiler section up next. Okay, so I just have a couple of things for a spoiler section here. Um, I sent you an email. I was like, I'll put it in an email <laughs> because we don't want cats to be spoiled in the notes. And then I had one thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I did have another one then as we were recording this. Um, I liked this foreshadowing. Um, this is a nice moment that I totally glossed over the first time I read it, but now knowing how the very last like page of Kingdom of Ash ends. Um, this is, I think Adian saying to Aelin, you would be the undisputed queen if you got the King's flame to bloom again. And that's, and then they go on to talk about how like her uncle, like had one King's flame bloom and like, that was enough. And the book series ends with a whole field of them. And it's just like a lovely, lovely moment. I loved it so much. Um, I will say, too, that the one I thought of as we were recording was um, Evangeline um, Aylan telling her, win back my kingdom for me. And she does that.
2: Yes. Yes. Which is really I that was a It feels like it was 10 years
0: ago. Yeah, I know it was. It was a really <laughs> long time ago. Um, and then, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, like, I was trying to pay a lot of attention to the Elena stuff to justify why aelin basically like squanders their chance to use the lock um by trying to bargain for elena's eternal rest and don't see it so yeah we'll talk about that in in kingdom of ash but um i just don't think there's enough there i don't feel enough pity for elena to zero
2: yeah yeah it just feels like such a dumb decision just for Yeah. yeah Like, like she's willing to throw away this entire war for Elena of all people. Like, yeah. what?
0: It's dumb. And I, I do think the whole conversation about like Elena becoming conqueror is an interesting one, but like frustrates me knowing that like she's going to lose her power.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it has no, no teeth. No. To- yeah, exactly.
0: And it's like she could do so much good. And then we were talking about like and being high king or whatever. like it pisses me off because I find him and Aylan to be so similar in so many ways, but pisses me off that he still has all his power and A doesn't mm-hmm. God, his is only gonna grow. Yeah, aelin's power is way more of a burden to her than Reese's ever is to him. Um she suffers a lot because of it and it it it's not. This it's not the same. It's it's much easier for him to have that much power. So like on, we'll talk about this in Kingdom of Ash, but um, it still is just she comes to she gets to a good place with it, and but still makes me mad. So I don't know, I don't really have much else. We're uh, in the end game now. <laughs> Nobody can
2: ever say that ever again. I okay. know. That, that no, nope. is just ruined. Is it <laughs> ruined
0: or is it like a perfect meme? I don't know. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> um
0: but yeah, so those are our quick little spoiler thoughts. Uh yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, while we're in the spoiler section again, Crescent City 2. Spoilers. Um, I did notice oh, yeah. this time that Fenris can like winnow, which is also like a power we kind of see in Crescent City 2 Don't know if that means anything. Um, but I would like to see him maybe if we get some thermal glass crossover. Yes. Um yes,
2: my only like real just constant complaint about this series is that it feels like there are so many potential plot threads that are just kind of left dangling at the end. Like nothing so severe that it's like, this is a big plot hole. Like there's not any, you know, not any like really egregious giant plot holes, but there are several plot threads that are left with no solution or no follow through. And I would love for um, like Crescent city, or whatever is coming next to kind of I don't know maybe maybe fix a little of those or tug on a few of those threads and see what happens Fenris is one of them I would love to see more from him and uh, I guess Fenris was, was one that comes up a lot for uh, spoiler stuff Just like his uh, obsession with Aelin yeah and how that is going to kind of serve in the future where it kind of turns from this like uh, somewhat romantic infatuation into like a very deep connection that the two of them have based on the suffering they endure together.
0: <laughs> oh God. Okay. I can't even. That laugh wasn't yet. for
2: the suffering. That laugh I is know. for Corinne's face. <laughs>
0: yeah. Where I was like melted down. See the benefit of a reread is that I no longer am like, Oh, I have to read Tower of Dong before I figure out what's going on with mm-hmm. Aylan. It's like, I get to rest. With Tower of right. before the real trauma of Kingdom of Ash begins. So, um, all right. Well, that's our spoiler section. See ya next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I gotta go. I I gotta go. Always. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm a master at this at this point. <laughs>